This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Over the past two months since the wildfires on Maui, HPF, like many of our community partners, has pivoted to focus our efforts on supporting Maui. As the recovery continues, we also want to uplift the important work of all our community partners because we know it is the intersectional approach to challenging systems of oppression that makes our communities more resilient and resourced to respond. We're excited to bring you a new season of interviews with HPF community partners from this year's grant cycle. We'll be introducing 10 new hui and following up with 22 returning community partners to hear updates and dive deeper into their work, the issues they organize around, and the systems of oppression they challenge. Today we're speaking with Megan Fox and Hulali Souza from Malama Kauai. Malama Kauai has been working to increase food production and access for a resilient Kauai since 2006. They do this through a lens of resilience and sustainability, leveraging workforce and economic development efforts, partnerships, and innovative programs to grow community capacity. Their Kauai Food Access Plan 2030 identifies land access and land back movements as a key missing piece to the success of Hawaii's future food system. Malama Kauai is also one of the community partners who pivoted their existing work to support Maui through HPF's Maui Aloha funding. Here's our interview with Hulali and Megan from September. Okay, well, I'm really excited because today we get to talk about the work of Malama Kauai. Um, maybe we could just get started. Uh, each of you can introduce yourselves and then tell us a little bit about the origin story of Malama Kauai. Ohu lali koi no ano kapaa puna kawai mayao. Aloha everyone. My name is Hulali and I'm from the island of Kauai in the moku of Puna and the district of Kapaa or the Ahupua'a of Kapaa. Um, and I joined Malama Kauai back in 2020 um, in the midst of the pandemic. And I'll pass it over to our executive director, the lovely Megan Fox. Hello, Megan Fox. Um, I've been with the organization since 2014. Um, I started because I wanted to farm, and now I'm pushing a lot of paperwork. <laughs> and um, as far as the organization getting started, um, it was founded in 2006 by Keone Kealoha and Chris Jabe, and really just a group of young 20-somethings, I think, at the time who... Um, really wanted to do something different and progressive and look at how to make the island and especially the North Shore where they were all from more sustainable in general. So they started really broadly and um, were advocating for like affordable housing and recycling and farming and water rights and, you know, um, bus routes and all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, just over the years, I think there's been a lot of great organizations that have popped up to focus on some of those issues really deeply and specifically. It has been like, you know, Surf Rider and um, there was a group called Apollo that started working on like energy independence and lots of different groups. So over the years, we're more and more and more we're beginning to just really focus in on increasing food production and access through like a really strong equity lens. And that's what we're still doing today. <laughs> 
Cool. And could you share, I guess, some of your main programs and the ways um, Malama Kauai is approaching uh, increasing food production and access uh, today? Yeah, sure. Um, it's pretty dynamic, actually. We change our programming constantly based on like funding opportunities. Um, we pivot a lot. We look at what our people need when they need it. And so we don't really have like very strong long-term programming so much as we have two buckets. And so under the food production bucket, we do a lot of programs for farmers where we'll provide education, we'll provide grants. Um, some of our current programs in that area, one is called PEEP. It's Poultry Education, Poultry Egg Education Project. We love our acronyms. Um, and that one we have trained and provided startup supplies like coops and chickens and all these things um, to 22, 23, 22, 23 um, chicken egg producers. Um, pretty much all but one are BIPOC producers and I think like 18 or 15 are Native Hawaiian. And so we really focused on um, upstarting really small businesses to fill a gap, which was chicken eggs. We didn't really have enough or if any to speak of on our island that were hitting markets in a way that was like DOH compliant and really, really accessible to people. Um, you couldn't go out and buy them with your SNAP or anything. So we kind of use our food hub to identify where those food gaps are. And then we resource our community to be able to fill them and, and start businesses that can do okay, you know, by producing food for people. And I love that you had done a lot of farmer surveys because most of our farmers are kupuna age and they said that they needed an avenue that was less laborious on them, right? Mm -hmm. That was a little bit more um, um, accessible to them in their older age and, you know, not wanting to be like, oh, heavy labor. So, you know, doing chickens, we felt was like a great way to mm -hmm. to accommodate that and grow their still farm, still be on the land, um, still do what they love. Yeah. And then same thing with the orchards, the orchard programs that we have going on right now. We brought over Ken Love from the Hawaii Tropical Fruit Growers Association, who is like the ultimate fruit tree nerd. He like travels the globe finding varieties that could do well here and like starts industry and teaches people about them. So we did that and gave out grants so that people can expand orchards on island because between the invasive species and the diseases and the parakeets and all this pressure, we've seen our fruit availability drop between like 50-75% just in the last three years. It's significant and it's something people really aren't talking about. But you know, we wanted to start overcoming that by empowering people to be able to manage the orchards they have better and then also expand them. So keep planting new trees and more trees. And, and I mean, trees that in general is just such an awesome solution for a million different things like climate change and, you know, Shade. carbon sequestration <laughs> yeah. and environment. And I mean, you know, food security, trees are awesome. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, so probably like, yeah, some of our more newer facing programs and something like HPI, um, Hawaii People's Fund had funded is we, we've done years of surveys with farmers and, you know, our beginning farmers, we talk about most of our farmers are Kapuna age, but the people who are trying to come in and people say they're not there, they are, they just can't get land. Yeah. And that's the number one. Kauai especially, we have the highest land costs in the state. We also have the lowest farm growth sales in the state. 
So it's pretty poignant, the connection between cost of land. Four landowners own 75% of the land on our island. You know, there's not a lot of, of opportunity for people that are just getting started. So, you know, we've been trying to get an ag park going for a while. We're in negotiations with a bunch of different landowners to see what could work for that. And we're also doing this land matchmaking website that we're launching with Hawaii People's Funding. Um, where basically land small landowners, you know, might be a kapuna that's not farming anymore and has still has like five acres or somebody that has an acre or a quarter acre in their backyard and wants to give someone a shot to utilize it better than they can for agriculture and trying to make those connections in our community so that we can support ourselves and support our, our food access. And with us being on the back end too, we can ensure equitable positioning of people you know, somebody, somebody's business plan might, might not be super fancy, but we know they want hammer. They're going to like go in there and they're going to grow food and they're going to do a great job and be great to work with. We can advocate for those people with the, the landowners more directly on their behalf and try to kind of lift up and empower the people that we know really should be connected back to Ina. Because there is definitely a large group, I would say, of, of, uh, interested beginning new younger farmers it's again it's just, they need the chance to get on the Aina with water and yeah do the things I mean farmers aren't necessarily known for their like business acumen you know they're, they're out there like to be connected to the earth so you know somebody who moves here from the mainland and has a lot of money and can write a fancy business plan is often much more likely going to be able to get onto land than somebody that doesn't come from a similar background. So kind of equals the playing field by mm -hmm. us being able to go in and be that advocate, you know, because we acknowledge that their like generational knowledge or even just the time that, that they were spending here, having that Pilina to place is really just as powerful as having like a strong business. More, more yeah. powerful. I mean, in terms of success of farming, yeah. you know, I mean, you can have all the school textbook knowledge in the world, but it's, it's practice that yeah. makes it through the challenges Yeah, and keeps you going when it gets really hard. Yeah. Cause it's hard. Cause you love it. And then, um, so that's one bucket. I don't know if you want us to keep going and talk forever. <laughs> yeah, no, go, go ahead. <laughs> you know, so on the other side, we have um, access. And, and I would say, like, our food hub's kind of a bridge, right? We started a food hub in 2020. Um, we actually did the island's first food hub, like, way back in, like, 2008 um, and ran it for a couple years. The technology wasn't there our supply wasn't there. It was pretty challenging. So it kind of died off after a couple of years. We brought it back in 2020 and said, you know, the technology's there, the need is there, we're ready. Um, and what the Food Hub does is aggregates and distributes food products and even household products that are like made sourced with local agricultural items. Like we have soaps and things like that. Um, so with that, we do, yeah, we purchase over half a million dollars. I think we're on par to do like 650,000 of food purchasing this year um, from over a hundred different food producers. Um, most of them are on Kauai specifically, but we do have some from other islands. Um, been doing a lot of purchasing from Maui right now um, just to kind of support and do some fundraising work for them. Um, but that food hub, we take WIC, um, women, infants, children, that's a new program that no food hubs have really been able to offer in the past. 
and we're running a pilot. We're like the first food hub in the state that's been able to um, start offering this. So that's really exciting to pave the way for making food more accessible um, to folks in need. About 50% of our retail sales is through SNAP, or old, they used to call it food stamps. Um, so we really do put a lot of intention behind who we're getting food to. It's not just, everybody likes local food, right? You want the, the bougie folks and home delivery for $5. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Um, but for us, it, it's been a lot of effort, like going to low-income housing complexes, going to our schools, going to a lot of places to make sure. Our food pantries. Yeah, our food pantries. Make sure it's really benefiting the local population and we're not just selling all of our local food to the hotels, you know, because um, we do commercial distribution, do a lot of farm to school programs. It's, mm -hmm. it's been a lot. Um, and part of that is also finding opportunities to give back. So like we do um, weekly Kapuna bags where we give, drop off free produce bags to Kapuna. Every summer we do Kakao for Keiki, which is a, a meal box distribution program to kids um, to fill that summer hunger gap that we see. Yeah. Wow. So you folks are really doing a lot. Um, and I think it's... Yeah. <laughs> I think for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's really interesting, right, to look at that you brought up... Um, that there's, yeah, farmers need access to land in order to be able to produce the food for the community to have access to. Um, and maybe kind of along those lines, I wonder if you wanted to share maybe a little bit more in depth about um, kind of any any real specific challenges, or not specific, but just what are the challenges that you're seeing kind of um, in this kind of landscape of food production and food access um, that are kind of really in focus right now or on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, and I think the hardest part in this work, like you said, we, we do do a lot. Um, we're a really small island, though, so you don't get to just pick one thing and go really deep because there's not that much on an island so small. So we do kind of diversify our strategies on how we're going to solve some of these problems. Um, I think one of the coolest things, and Stormy can talk more about specifically the plan, but we went around the island and talked to hundreds of people. We surveyed food insecure individuals. We had focus groups with farmers and needs assessment meetings. And we actually asked this to our island and said, what do you want us to do for the next like seven years? How are we going to work together to um, solve food access issues? Because I mean, the wealth gap, the cost of living, like the things that are happening right now, you know, it's like, telltale signs of pre-economic collapse basically and and what we're doing is trying to head that off to say how do we make ourselves secure so we can take care of one another and start building those systems now you know and not to be like doom and gloom or say that's the only reason we're doing it but it is a reason we're always doing it we want a strong resilient island that's going to take care of each other it's going to feed each other that isn't reliant on other places and people to just survive and so you know, the community basically gave us our, our walking list and we had everybody vote online. Like I think we had 26 objectives and we had them vote down to like what their top 11 were. Um, and food access and the land access piece was one of them. That was a really big one for people. 
um, farmers and non-farmers were really big on land access because people know what a challenge it is. I think everybody knows somebody that's trying to get on Ina to grow food and can't, you know. Or just to live, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have those basic needs met too. Now, if you want to talk more about the plan or... Yeah, so we have our food access plan, and the goal is to uh, complete the 11 objectives that our community decided upon by 2030. And our main strategy is really to create working groups around each of the objectives, the 11 objectives, so that it's not just Malama Kauai taking on these objectives and doing them all. What we really want to see is community empowerment and, um, and um, kind of like, definitely them leading the way for this work because that's how we best see it continuing and becoming that true sustainable um, accomplishment right success uh, so we have uh, more buckets so food pantries have a section and we're hoping to you know we were able to conduct needs assessments with a lot of our food pantries across the island to see where they are really interested in growing um, because one of the objectives is to get a minimum of 75% of the food pantries to offer local produce monthly. Um, and that came from also our food insecurity survey, you know, the need for healthy local food available uh, when folks are facing uh, that food insecurity. And then also just being able to maybe get a little bit more in emergency food um, that can be delivered because a lot of our community faces transportation barriers, whether it's, you know, not having a car at all, not really having a robust uh, bus system that can serve communities in the neighborhoods that they live in or get them to the places or close enough to the places that they need to go. Um, there's also kupuna that just aren't mobile, right? And they just, they don't have the ability to hop in their car and go to the grocery store real quick. So having delivery is really powerful. And we ourselves kind of, you know, we have our longer term strategies, but we never just wait for the things to happen. I mean, <laughs> so, so we started a once a month food pantry, right? Based on the feedback, it has produce, it has super healthy items. We have health guidelines and we're not giving out like sugar coated cereal and like, you know, a bunch of processed stuff, like all our food's super healthy, get the healthiest options in there. But then what we also do is participant choice. And so a lot of food pantries will like box up a box of stuff and just give it to someone. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, when you're trying to like cut down contact with people, there's giving, giving folks these prepackaged boxes of food. And, you know, a lot of the food might not be culturally relevant for that family. They might not actually eat it. So what's the point of giving it to them? They found, you know, cans being left under bridges in homeless communities because nobody wanted the pumpkin pie filling or green beans or whatever they got. So um, we wanted to set a model so people, and there are other models around the island, but there's maybe just not enough of them. So we wanted to be like, okay, they said it's hard. Let's see how hard it is. Let's do it ourselves. So we started once a month doing participant choice, walk up, people bring their own shopping bags. We have a big line of all this healthy food and produce and they can pick what they want. Um, so it's been cool to, you know, not just try to help other people do it, but do it ourselves so that we have knowledge of what it takes and um, can be understanding of the challenges and all that too. You know, something that's really coming through for me is um, how in touch you are with community need and how much you're, as much as people have the capacity to take on um, 
asking the community to step up and really lead that process while also providing the support, you know, uh, which I think is a really cool model for, for this work. Yeah, those are really great um, reflections. Mahalo for sharing. I'm curious of all of the things that Malama Kauai does or has done in, in your time there. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything or any things in particular that you see and you feel like this is really working and this is something that's really um, going to be a success for the community that, that feels like it's really um, having a positive impact or a positive change. I'll say my, my feeling of like my greatest accomplishment something I'll like walk away and be like, wow, I did that. Um, was we helped to start a school food program at Keikula Niha mm. and it's still running today. The kids get breakfast, lunch, and snack. 100% of kids, 100% no cost. It's all federally reimbursed. Um, and they had the kitchen. They had everything. They just, you know, needed a little help. And we were able to go out and get some funding, get them set up. And they're rocking and rolling. And, like, within a year of us setting them up. And to walk away and know there's, like, thousands of kids that are going to eat because of that. I mean, that to me was cool because there's a lot of times that we try to help people build something and we walk away and it disintegrates you know I couldn't tell you how many times I've done like the same school gardens at the same schools or you know um because the desire is there yeah and they know that they want to do it but then the capacity yeah. or whatever yeah. happens and then it's like where who yeah but so I think like when people are able to like follow through and mm -hmm. and drive the bus and we get to walk away like walking away and seeing something like still be successful is is my favorite feeling <laughs> yeah it's great and i actually just talked to auntie from kekulani <clears throat> how this morning um she's like we have so much groceries and we're set for the next you know she's like she's on it she's cooking for those kids every day they're eating good food she shared her menu with me i was like oh can i come over like <laughs> <laughs> hungry <laughs> Yeah, it's good. That's, that, yeah, that's that's really awesome. Um, you know, you you already touched on um, those you, the uh, the twenty thirty plan, um, but I wonder if we could go in a little bit more detail. Could you share some more of those eleven objectives, and then also, I guess, paint a picture for us of your vision for for the future um, of, of food production and access on Kauai. Yeah. So I have the objectives pulled up here. <laughs> we also published a booklet so we can send one to you. you <laughs> go to our website, malamakawaii.org. We have a, a research and papers page that actually has results of all of our surveys, all of our farmer surveys, our food insecurity surveys. Um, we constantly are pointing policymakers, legislators, um, people who are new to the industry, other nonprofits to those because it's really letting the people speak for themselves and really just being a platform to advocate for their voice. So I encourage anyone that wants to learn more about Kauai's food system, you can go there to that page and learn a lot about what our people are asking for. Yeah, because we spend a lot of time just spending a lot of time with them. And like, so from the meetings to the community voting, which was online, that was really fascinating for us to check out. You know, mm -hmm. we just put up all the draft objectives <coughs> that came from the meetings directly and just said, not just, don't just cast your vote, but like really just 
let us know what you would be committed to and why like there was an option for each draft objective to put what you have to say whether it was a pro or a con and then you get to see these community conversations come out through it and really see where people are coming from when they're casting their votes so that was really wonderful um we did our best to capture that and then you know we just tallied up all the votes and landed on these 11 objectives so we kind of touched on the two food pantry objectives right so emergency food is available via the delivery island-wide um, for those with transportation barriers and then also a minimum of 75 percent of food pantries offer local produce monthly um, a lot of our food pantries operate monthly and then also bi-weekly bi -weekly mm -hmm. and weekly. So there's all across the board actually. <laughs> um, and then we go into gardening and market access. And that's where this was like probably our most talked about um, and voted on was a community garden or orchard in every moku. So that desire to grow food is there, whether they have, they feel like they have the education to do so, whether they feel like they have the access to do so. A lot of folks said that from our food insecurity survey um, that they wanna grow food, they wanna eat fruits and vegetables and locally grown things, um, but that they, they just can't grow anything where they rent or they live in an apartment or they can't use their yard. So they're either like um, just having to stick with potted plants or really just can't do anything. Um, so having a community garden that's accessible in every moku was uh, number one up on top. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. And then also um, allowing for SNAP online to increase our pickup and delivery capacity. Um, right now we can't accept SNAP uh, purchases online like how a credit card customer would or a debit card they can just put in their information make their order confirm it they're paid and it's smooth sales but right now what our customers have to do is charge in person so they have to have their card our staff has to be there with um, the iPad and then do that purchase face to face um, so it just causes a lot of limitations um, and then, you know, missed opportunities, person's not home, they're at work, staff is like here at your house trying to pay, you know, so lots of things like that or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, and also like the stigma that some people face as being a SNAP customer, you know, there is unfortunately that, you know, Shame sometimes. Yeah. yeah, shame. And then you have to be called out like, oh, here's my snap card. I'm going to pay, you know, instead of just being a like A normal person that you just come and pick up. Yeah. yeah. So we have made too. some traction on that one, which is great. We got some funding um, to work on the development on our platform side to get approved by the feds to allow snap online. And so there are four... Um, partners right now that are going to be part of that um, snap online pilot in Hawaii covering um, four different counties um, yeah sustainable Molokai there's two on Hawaii Island and then Maui hub in Maui um, we all use the same software so have the same functionality so it's really exciting to work together and not just be able to impact Koi but like as a hui be able to impact food access across the islands and set first-time best practices together is pretty cool 
Um, and then we kind of uh, transition transition into food producers, and um, there's three objectives here. So there's stable land access for food production, uh, consistently available to farmers and ranchers, with a focus on long-term leasing and kanakamoli land ownership. We really wanted to pull that out specifically um, because reparations are due and kanakamoli belong on our land, and that needs to be prioritized. Just gonna put that in there. <laughs> Personal opinions, um, and all then, of our opinions. Yeah, I know. Yeah. MP opinion. <laughs> um, second bullet would be to expand the Hawaii Farmers Union United um, Kauai chapters equipment share and discount programs. When we were uh, meeting with a lot of our farmers, and some of them knew they didn't even know that we had a, a farmers union at all, or a Kauai chapter, or that they have a library of. Of, um, tools, a suite of yeah. tools that they could use, um, a tractor, a trailer, big equipment that they can um, borrow, essentially. So that was really great. And we'd love to kind of help support them in marketing it and getting the word out and making that connection. Um, and then the third bullet is to provide farmers financial support and incentives to address invasive species. Because like Megan had mentioned earlier, there are a lot coming in every day. There's a lot that have been ravaging our food for a while. Um, and we are seeing um, the consequences of that. And we really just need to do the work to- Something. To, to do something, <laughs> yeah. We got uncles with shotguns guarding their trees, you know what I mean? And we can't all net our, all of our fruit trees, but you know, we gotta do something. And then we go, we move into education and farm to school. Um, so two objectives here, the first being to invest in our gleaning program, which is actually the first in all of Hawaii, it's called Village Harvest. Um, and we wanna expand that so that excess fruit can be delivered to local schools for snacks. And the second is to support the achievement of statewide farm to school goals on Kauai, including 30% of school food being locally sourced by 2030. Uh, according to the report that they had published, I think it was back in December and shared in January, something like 2% of food throughout all of the islands in the cafeterias are locally sourced. So 2% is locally sourced right now. And I think Kauai is like point something something right now. So it's, it's you know, we got a lot of room for growth. <laughs> um, and just chipping away at that. We have some programs in the pipeline as well that we're hoping will be very successful. And then the final bracket would be capacity building. So we have um, two objectives there. First is to hire a grant writer dedicated to funding this food access plan, uh, supporting various programs and projects, collective and individual. The second would be to obtain a commitment from county and state government for funding for food producers and food access programs. And that was another thing that we heard a lot from our farmers and food producers is like, where's our support from our government? You know, we'd really love to see more of it or some of it. And I, I thought it was cool that people wanted to see the follow through as objective like the follow through of the plan as an objective of the plan, right. which was pretty neat, right? Because like a lot of these plans just like go and sit on a shelf somewhere after they're done and they're like, oh, there's my contract. There's our plan. We're done here. Um, and, and they wanted to make sure that there were resources to see things through 
and I see that trust building there too, you know, mm -hmm. like, hey, we trust you guys with this, all of our mana'o, like, let's make it happen together. Well, I think, yeah, we can definitely see from all of those objectives, the kind of future that's coming into form. And it's definitely a lot of um, work to be done. And you folks are doing so much already. And I think just you seem so organized and the research that you've already done is really remarkable. Um, so yeah, I'm just really glad that you folks are doing this work. <laughs> it's really important. And I think a little bit earlier, you know, Megan, you mentioned people can go to your website to check out some of that research. Um, but also wanted to open the space for you to let us know how any of our listeners can further support your work or get involved. I mean, there's a million ways, right? <laughs> um, you know, we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for people who want to lead the path on some of these objectives, who want to get involved, people who want to donate, people who want to, um, you know, help resource even small projects in their own neighborhoods on the island, people who want to share what's happening in their communities that's similar and worked, you know, I mean, I think so many people have so much to offer and that just the con making connections in whatever way feels right is, is great. Um, we're lucky that, you know, we're part of the Hawaii food hub, Hawaii statewide. We get to work with a lot of other food hubs and what they're doing and, um, networks like being a part of, um, Hawaii people's fund, like grantees and getting to hear and talk about other grantees and what they're doing and see that. I mean, there's so many people doing so many amazing things across Hawaii. And if we just keep working together and talking more, we're just going to grow strength, you know, and, and pull more people in so that these are movements and these are going to happen and nothing's going to stand in our way. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> Awesome. And yeah, and I just wanted to flag for listeners too. I saw on the website and the donation page that there's an option to do like a commit to like a monthly um, donation and offer that kind of sustained support, which I, is so important for keeping this kind of work going. Um, you know, I love what you were just saying, Megan, about, um, you know, being part of a, a bigger movement and learning a, about other Hui's that are doing work on, on related issues or on different issues. Um, and I wanted to ask, because I know that Malama Kauai is doing work to support um, the recovery efforts on, on Maui um, and seeing some of that kind of that, that bigger network and movement, you know, all springing in, in into action to support uh, to support folks on Maui. So I wanted to you know, ask if you could share a little bit about how Malama Kauai is, is you know, um, participating in that support work. Yeah, sure. Um you know, when we had our big floods back in 2018, um, Maui was so awesome. They fundraised for us. They sent containers of things that were sold out of all of our stores on island that we needed for cleanup. I mean, chainsaws, generators, like things we really needed. And um, as soon as as soon as we heard about the fires, we were just like, all right, we got your back, too. And um it's been hard, actually. I'm going to, like, start crying. I think <laughs> um, there has been a lot of crying in our office because <laughs> I think um, everyone across the state and in the world is, like, super devastated by what's happening over there. Um, 
and the inequity of it all and all of that. So, I mean, really, we just jumped in in a way that we knew we could help without getting in the way, right? Mm -hmm. And we sell food, right? So um, we worked with a couple of our Food Hub partners over there and put out a general call for any producers that needed markets. Um, And it's been really interesting. We got a, a lot of feedback and got to buy a lot of products to really keep those businesses afloat so that, um, you know, whether they relied on Lahaina, um, there were a lot of businesses that actually like lost almost all their inventory in the fire or their farm was destroyed from, you know, the winds. And so it was interesting to see who still had product. We could help keep them up in that way. And we got such a good response that we actually called a meeting through the Hawaii Food Hub, who we have all the other food hubs across the state, and said, hey, anybody who's interested in, like, buying more products from Maui, like, they need the sales support, they need the help right now. And and that was, like, the first week. It just so happened that while the fire was still raging in the first few days, we had our Hawaii Food Hub Hui strategic planning meeting. So all of us were together in Hilo. And so what we thought was going to be a weekend of, you know, let's talk about how we're going to strategize as a hui turned into like, hey, Maui guys, how are you doing? How can we support you? And what are we going to do? And how are we going to strategize um, around the food system to keep it strong and make sure, you know, we don't want to divert resources away from Maui that were needed, but um, because there are feeding programs that are buying a lot of local product, you know, um, I think the food bank has started to start procuring locally over there um but there's a lot of things like we high-end mushrooms for example you know they're not buying those they're not buying mamaki and ulu tea they're not dried bananas um you know there were a lot of products that fresh made salad dressings you know there was stuff that we could take sell and we actually decided we were going to give a hundred percent of any markup that we got on those products our typical markup would be and we put it into a fund and then we're sending that back to maui folks in the form of like cash cards gift cards and checks directly to folks who lost their homes um so we've been partnering with different um community-based hubs and sending multiple packages out to them for them to distribute to the folks they know are in need um, and then most recently, um, are connecting with Punanaleo Olahaina folks and trying to get some checks over to them. So we've done about, um, I think we're up to about 15,000 that we've raised through that, which is, it's just a small, you know, it's not even make a dent, but like, imagine everybody doing that, right? It adds up. So, um, yeah, it's what we're doing for now. I mean, I'm in constant like contact with our partners over there and seeing how things change and what people need. I know Maui hub guys are over there trying to raise grant funds for the farmers whose farms got destroyed. Um, some of the farmers, like they lost their home, their barn, their orchards, like, you know, their business, their everything. So there's a a lot of hooing up still to do. Um, one of our staff, lost a relative in the fire, you know, so we paid for her to be able to go home, visit her family. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think our team's going to be around for a long time supporting Maui. Like when they're ready to rebuild, um, I'm ready to fly over and help build a house, a habitat and throw a hammer on my, <laughs> my side, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much 
everything on our end. I'm wondering if there's just anything else we didn't get to touch on that you wanted to share. I just wanted to say thank you folks so much for what you guys do because it's it's really nice to be funded by such a wonderful group of people that keep it real and you know like you're for Hawaii for real and it's just really nice to kind of take the part the curtain I don't know what how to say yeah that, no, no you know? I like we, we can let our like mohawk fly you know we don't have to like tone <laughs> it down for you guys and I love that I feel like sometimes when you're super feisty and talking to the philanthropic world <clears throat> it's a turn off yeah. So, we, you know, sometimes we, we can come across as scary because we, we are passionate and we are very committed. And um, we see that in you folks, too. And yeah. So thank you for letting, you know, that reflection happen and, and just be yeah. real. Well, mahalo for your passion and, and your work and for sharing your story with us today. Thanks. We're excited to see you. <laughs> 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 we could talk all day to you guys. <laughs> Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho!